even my dad was like, why are you getting your degree again? And I had to think to myself, why am I getting my degree again? At this point, I would chuck it up to I finish what I start because it's not about the money at this point. It's more about the impact. And I had not run the full play before I knew what running the play actually was. So I had to complete the mission. Welcome to another solo episode of the Work and Play podcast. Don't you just love it when it's you and me and we get to have a conversation about career journeys, self-exploration, self-discovery, self-mastery, self-actualization, all of that. Because it's really a matter of a conversation between you and you and the benefit of you guys being able to have a conversation with um, my guests is that you get to see stories of people who have made the journey and then people who have thought through what their options are, whether they have options, um, how they got unstuck and then how they got to a life of work and play, that's my vision, but how they got to a life of balance that they deem was necessary. And so that is the purpose of the work and play podcast. But these conversations that we get to have where it's just you and I, this is a time for you to, to think about your own career journey. And so, as I told you guys over the last episodes that I'm planning my own exit for when I get my master's degree, I wanna share why I decided to even get a master's degree in social work. I talked about it a lot on this episode and my favorite episodes are when I get a chance to have another helping professional, a therapist, a counselor, an LPC, another MSW, all of the above so that we can talk about the differences between career coaching, therapy, counseling, all of those different services so that you can understand what you need best, number one, and then you can plan your exit out of corporate America with the resources that you need. Now we talk about the transition out of corporate America and a lot of people are stressed, right? You're thinking about leaving right now. How about yesterday? Sometimes it's, it's, it's so mentally draining to think about what an exit strategy will look like that you just wanna take the leap. So I wanna talk to you for a moment because honestly and truly that's where I was before I decided to leave my corporate job. I had an exit strategy, but I also talk about not having an entry strategy, meaning I didn't have anything specific going out of my corporate job that would be financially um, sufficient for me to you know, have another um, source of income. That right there is the difference between what I did for myself and what I want for you. Now, I say all that. At the same time, when I go back to my search history back in 2017, I wanna say everything that I searched on YouTube was about quitting, quitting a job with no plan, quitting a job after corporate, all of these different search terms. And so I know you might be in the same place where you just wanna know, how do I quit and how will I be okay? So if that's you, then let's talk about it. We can also talk about how to create an exit strategy here in 2022 so that you can set yourself up for success. Before we get into this episode, I know you've been struggling with the idea of starting your own business and launching a premium product that you know is gonna transform lives. So I have a bomb resource for you. The man himself, Words Taylor, is going to help you launch your product or service for the clients who need your help right now. Now you can't call yourself a business owner unless you are getting in front of new clients every single day and Words knows exactly how to do that. All you have to do is tap in so he can teach you his six-figure launch strategy that's produced over $5 million in client sales. So all you have to do is go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com. That's HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and get into the free training. It's happening this week. So go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and let's get into the episode. 
But first of all, let me go back to why I decided to get a master's degree in social work. At the time when I left my corporate job, I was at a crossroads. I had just gotten a, a position and a higher role, higher pay, and it was higher visibility. So on one hand, it was an opportunity for me as a black woman to get more visibility in the, in the C-suite, but then it was also in my mind, a foot in the door for other black individuals who were going from corporate or customer service to a position that was more so finance focused. And that I thought was my purpose, right? There are so many barriers between you know black people and opportunities that I never really considered until I started to do, a, do, do certain things. And what I mean is when I got my role, um, or when I got other roles, I would always get a friend or, or a colleague that says, hey, how did you do that? Now, me personally, I've always been super duper resume focused, communicate my, my skills and my abilities in different ways. Same bullet, just different wording. I've always been really good at that. And so for me, it was easy peasy, but I recognized one, it was a challenge for some folks. So on one hand, I had gotten this role that was high visibility, great opportunity for me, and I thought it was a foot in the door for my race, honestly and truly. So on the other side of things, I had to decide whether to keep my job with a decent paying salary, a nice paying salary, versus me continue doing the work that I was doing in the community, which was the career readiness program. It's the, the program that, that I talk so much about where I was helping young people who are experiencing homelessness transition into corporate America. Now, needless to say, my relationship with corporate changed and my mindset around having a nice a nine to five changed. So my vision for my life was changing. And at the same time, I'm figuring out where do I wanna go? Do I wanna continue climbing the corporate ladder or do I want to create impact that is not in the traditional sense um, how we have, have traditionally created like opportunities for, for people who are experiencing troubling situations? I decided, obviously, to take my journey and go elsewhere, but it took me a while to even figure out this part, that impact was truly a part of my purpose. I'll take you all the way back to my um, second year of Atlanta Metropolitan College where I was working on my associate's degree in business or science. And I read a statistic that said, you know, accounting roles, there were a certain there was a certain percentage of black people. Then there was a social work that was 70% uh, black women, and there were a couple other positions that were listed out in the percentage, the makeup per, the percentage makeup of like based on race. It was at that moment that I was thinking about going down a path of like psychology, something more mental health focused. But when I saw that statistic, I will be honest with you. I said, well, why do I want to go into a role where there's 70% of other women like me? I, don't, I didn't want to be pigeonholed and I didn't want to be stuck in a position that would allow people to stereotype me. So it was in that moment, out of all of the things that I thought I wanted to do in my life, that I said, I will not do social work because I did not want to have the label of what a social worker was. Now, what was my idea of a social worker? Your idea of a social worker could be defects. I live in Atlanta, that's what it's called here, but it's child protective services or child welfare in other spaces. For me, I never had a passion of working in child welfare. However, I did love working with people and I loved how the mind worked. Again, all of these things saying, okay, this, is, this sounds like something that might be interesting to you, but as soon as I saw that statistic, I ran, and I ran as far as I could. 
I went all the way down to finance, getting my degree in corporate finance, had a, had a career in analytics, using numbers and data, to all, the, all to find myself back here in 2022, getting my master's in social work. How did this even happen? It really happened because I started to listen to myself. Listening to myself, I found myself getting into position where I now I knew what it felt like to be in the zone. I read books before I actually quit my job. And a lot of them talked about getting in the zone, finding your zone, um, being in flow, in a state of flow. Well, while I got a chance to um, conduct and facilitate the career readiness program, there were so many times where I was speaking off my heart. And days later, or months later, I would have a young person come up to me and say, hey, Miss Ari, which is not because I said call me Miss Ari. Miss Ari, like what you said really, really impacted me. Or I used that in an interview and it really helped me. And here I am thinking, I'm just talking off the top of my heart, right? Not my head, but my heart. And I was living in the moment. I was super present. I wasn't overthinking it. I didn't have anxiety when I was doing the work. I knew what I was talking about and it was proving to be effective. So in this moment, I'm circling back to an opportunity where all I'm doing, and I say all I'm doing, but all I'm doing is giving back. This goes back to an episode, and I mentioned it, so I'll, I'll talk about it briefly, but there's something you're doing right now that you're really, really good at that creates so much impact that people really, truly benefit from, but you consider it as a just. I just do this. I just do that. And you're discrediting your skill sets, your talents, and your gifts. This is probably a moment where you need to take a moment write it down and ask yourself, why can't I go for it all out? This is my permission to you to give yourself permission to go after a role, to go after a life and to go after something, an activity that's already stirring inside of you and it's already there. And this was my moment, it was already there. I had just been running away from it. And this was a moment where it just kind of came all to a point where I had to really face, look at myself in the, in the mirror and say, what do you wanna do? So given all of these different situations, and I gave you the, the short end of a story that's so long, but I found myself in social work without even being in social work. Intuitively, I created a program. I created evaluation metrics, KPIs. I thought about all of these different services. I essentially did a needs assessment for the career readiness program, which is essentially figuring out what is the problem? Is there truly a need? And is this going to be solved based on your curriculum? creating a curriculum, identifying volunteers, creating the program and allowing it to be scalable so that we can build it from Atlanta to LA and New York. Everything that I'm learning in social work right now all allows me to essentially do the same thing, but allows me to get the degree. And this is where we need to talk about the degree. When I say that I left without a strategy, like an entry plan, my strategy to leave corporate America and make sure that I would still be financially stable was to get a degree. I think that there was for a long time shame in that decision because here I am leaving one institution to go to a completely other institution and I'm creating the same problem that already existed in the environment that I was in before. The fact that I didn't necessarily have a lot of exposure to entrepreneurs before I made the decision is probably why I decided to move forward with education. 
And I think that in order for you to move forward in a, um, a way that is ordered a little bit different than mine, I need you to think about what is it truly that you want to do and identify someone who's currently doing that thing. My decision to leave corporate America was not because I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It was so that I could create more impact. And up until that point, I was the only person in my, my prayer view who was doing the thing that I wanted to do. And so I'm following my own instincts. And that will happen to you if you decide to go down your journey of self-actualization on your own. But if you have the, the time, the wherewithal to find someone who's doing the thing that you want to do, you can save yourself a lot of heartache and pain simply by figuring out what's the, what's the best way to do something from hearing someone else. Now, if you've ever done a career um, program or, or you've ever gone to your counselor, your career counselor at your university, these are called informational interviews. So chances are you've already had several interviews with a colleague or someone in your company. And so now is the time for you to do that outside of your organization. While you're in your corporate job, you can literally use LinkedIn to find anyone. And the fact that you already have a position and that you're not looking for another job is going to help you with like not feeling like you're just reaching out to somebody just for a job. Reaching out to people and understanding what their life looks like. How did they get to where they are today? That's going to be all the exploration you need before you actually take that leap. Now, given the fact that I did not have an entrepreneurial endeavor before I left, I'm going to help you understand what it took for me to actually figure out that entrepreneurship is actually where I want it to be. The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. When I left my job, I was knee deep in launching the program from Atlanta to LA in New York. And it just so happened that I worked for an airline. So while I quit, I also had the opportunity to still run the program using the um, benefits that I had because I was on leave instead of quitting. Because I was on leave, I flew to New York, I flew to LA. I spent all of my time after leaving dedicating my life to this program. And so I was tunnel vision on expanding the program that was for my old company and it did so well. It fed my soul. It literally was everything that I wanted. The only thing is that I wasn't getting paid for it. So at the end of the program, we had several graduates and uh, some had even gotten jobs at, um, at the actual company. And so I'm feeling like a, I'm feeling like a success. I had one foot into freedom and one foot into my old company because I was on leave. So a year into the position, I hadn't really thought about what my next step was going to be. I just knew that I had to get paid for it. I was coming down um, to the to the really like the bottom of my energy, um, getting right close to burnout, which burnout in corporate and then burnout in social work is completely different. 
as you're burning out in corporate America, you're going, 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 you're draining energy. You're on these pro projects that may or may not be overexerting your, your um, bandwidth. You might be working on multiple projects at, at the same time. When you're a social worker, and, and I'll speak for myself, I'm pouring into individuals. I enjoy the work that I do, but there comes a time where you don't have anything left to pour monetarily and energy wise. So I got to a point a year after I left my job where I am really out of energy, out of a lot of the positive, you know, influence that I used to have when I was a corporate employee. And I'm starting to think about what is my life going to look like because my bills are, um, I'm, a, I'm about to be facing my bills. Now, at the time I was dating someone and he was definitely supporting me during this time, um, monetarily as well as emotionally having someone there in the journey definitely was helpful because I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't alone. And so I want you to think about the people who you have surrounding you right now. One of the things that I don't want you to do when you leave your job is jump out without any resources. So while monetary resources is, is huge, human connection is also huge. So identify in your circle right now who supports you, who pushes you, who motivates you, and who discourages you. Be very clear. Whoever discourages you, let them go before you leave because you don't want to be out figuring out your way without having someone to help you figure out what's your next step. And they're only going to be dragging you down. So a year out of corporate America, I'm still figuring out what I want to do. I've poured myself into these very, I would say free <laughs> complimentary services. Right. And I'm feeling like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be, but I'm not making money. This is when I started to tap heavily into my fitness career. I was still doing bar classes on the side and I've talked about my, my old business recovery bar, but this was a time where I leaned in a year after I, um, left my job is when I started my LLC, um, of recovery bar. With that, I started to teach more classes. I started to make more money and it allowed me to still have the time flexibility that I needed so that I can still kind of move around and figure out what I wanted to do. In the meantime, I got into Airbnb. I got into Lyft. I was in the best shape of my life and it really was an opportunity for me just to get to know myself. It's one thing to go from corporate to entrepreneurship seamlessly and you start to generate funds. If you already have your side hustle, that's one thing. But to give yourself time to explore yourself, especially if you're like me, who has spent your entire life working for jobs since 16, going to college, getting the degree that you told that you're supposed to get, um, getting the job that you're supposed to get but not experiencing life as it is, and even tapping into your gifts. The second year after, after quitting my job was all about getting to know me. So as I got to know me, I got to see myself in the fitness arena. I got to see myself instructing classes. I got to learn what it was that I liked about fitness and what it was that I did not like about fitness. I even got a chance to make money and be free and flexible with my own time, which was really a great learning experience for me to understand who I am at the core. So I encourage you that if you are interested in a couple things right now, then try it right now. I, I can't say it enough, but you don't have to wait until you have, you know, you're up against the, you know, your, their back is against the wall and you don't have any, any opportunities. You just kind of like 
exploring, you don't have to do it the way that I did it. Now, if you do it the way that I did it, you'll still be fine. And I'm here to tell you, you will still be fine. But if you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're exploring without a source of income, why don't you just start now? You honestly have nothing to lose. So fast forward, I find this wonderful group called The Morning Meetup. Now, I don't even know how specifically I found them, but I think it was through David Shan's podcast, the, um, the Social Proof podcast. And through there, I started to click around and I got really, really heavy into entrepreneurship hashtags and following entrepreneurs and figuring out, hey, they're doing some of the things that I'm doing, but I never called it entrepreneurship, right? At the same time, I had already started my degree in social work, but I want to say Corona happened maybe my second semester. And so I had one real semester of um, being a real life student and I had plans. Oh, I had plans on leveraging my degree. Matter of fact, I want to go there because um, as it relates to my strategy, what I thought I needed to do was go back to the drawing board. I had spent a lot of time developing a skill set in data analytics, but I never felt extremely proficient in that skill set. I felt like it was something I was, I was good at, I was trained at, but it definitely wasn't a passion. I wasn't the best at it, and I never really felt the desire to be innovative in like analytics. It was just a skill set. So when I think about, you know, thanking God, something I'm grateful for, I'm glad that I was tooled with the skill set. I just think that channeling the skill set was something that I needed to do. So for me, I was very comfortable with starting completely over in a completely different industry. Social work, I had, I had no connections who were social workers. At this time, I went into a field blind, simply off of my research. Um, and some of the connections that I made, I think I might have had maybe one or two conversations with people who were social workers. And obviously in the career readiness program, I'm looking and working alongside social workers. So I also see that side of the work as well. The way that I wanted to utilize my master's degree was to, number one, build my network. And number two, develop the skill sets that I never truly got a chance to develop. Empathy, working with individuals, building curriculum, being able to develop partnerships. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing that I wanted to get out of the degree in social work was to be able to communicate the ROI, the return on investment of large corporations investing dollars, large money into nonprofits and into programs that were intended on creating social economic progression. When I say that, I, I seriously mean it because many companies will write a big check, but they aren't involved in the intervention. And the intervention for those who aren't social workers, the intervention is the program. It is what are you putting in place so that the normal pathway that a person will go through is intervened with a program that you've created so that they can change the trajectory of their life. These are the type of programs that truly make impact. And rather than creating an opportunity where you write a check and you just serve a couple meals, though those volunteers are those volunteer efforts are very useful. Skills based volunteering is extremely impactful because you have corporate employees who want to create impact. They want to volunteer 
and you have resources now to allow them to use their their gifts in a way that allows them to serve, be fulfilled, and then go back to the company feeling revived. That is what I wanted to do when I got my degree in social work. And you might not have even known that was a part of social work. When you think of social work, take a moment. What do you think about? You probably already thought about child welfare systems. I already told you that one. Another thing, might, you might think about your, your, your school guidance counselor. You might also just think about a therapist or a counselor. But there are so many other parts of social work that you might not even think about. So here's a quick lesson. I'm not going to spend too much time on this one. But there's micro social work, there's meso social work, and there's macro social work. Micro social work is what you're used to. So I'm not going to spend any time there. Meso and macro social work are more so dealing with the systems that we all play a part in and we have all been exposed to that are creating barriers for vulnerable populations. How do you take part in that? Well, for myself, I'm very programs driven, but there could be legislative, you could be legislative driven, you could be politics driven, policy driven. Um, you could also be very into public health. So there are people who are interested in sex education and, um, and um, critical race theory and figuring out how can we change the um, education system from a social work perspective. And this is all macro social work. So I said all this to say, at the time when I left my job as a data analyst and I said I wanted to start a completely new life for myself, Getting the degree was not only for the degree's sake, but it was for the resources, it was for the connections that I can make, and it was for the structure by which I'd created intuitively so that I can create an expertise that literally no one else has. So I thought, you know what, you're going to be a beast. You got this data analytics, you got this social works gift, and now you're going to have this degree, right, the traditional training to be a superhero. And that's what I used to say. I still say this to this day. I believe going to, to get my master's in social work was literally me going to X-Men camp. And I will always equate your strengths to, to your superpowers, but in this case, I got to go put myself in an environment so that I could hone my superpowers. The challenge that I found was that by going back to school, it presented the exact same, you know, corporate bureaucracy, red tape and politics, that I thought I was leaving. One year into my three-year master's program, I started my LLC for career coaching. My company is called Guided LLC, and alongside Guided LLC, I was still running Recovery Bar. I'm, as I'm creating a framework for career coaching, I'm still also running classes, and I'm still also doing Lyft. So I have three different um, sources of income that I'm managing, and the goal is to become more and more into career coaching over time. Between creating my LLC and getting my first client, the best thing that I could have done for myself was get an apprenticeship. So while I had not known anyone in entrepreneurship before I left, someone had been placed into my path along the way where she was already doing career coaching, she was already doing what I wanted to do, and I just needed to learn the ropes. And so I've created an apprenticeship for myself. So when I say an apprenticeship, this was not a program that was offered. This was just an opportunity for me to add value to someone who was already in entrepreneurship and for me to learn along the way. That was the best thing for me in terms of exposure. 
Right now, you might be thinking that you want to do something right now. And the thought in your mind around something you can't do is only because you haven't seen it yet. So the third thing that I will tell you is once you find someone who is doing what you want to do, you may consider investing your time or your money to be involved in apprenticeship or mentorship or some type of coaching so that you can get what you need hands-on. Hands-on support, hands-on experience is the best thing that you could actually ever do. And so here I am, two LLCs, still trying to figure out what it is that I wanna do, but I'm leveraging my degree in a way that I'm still getting a lot of information and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's my next step? After securing my first few clients, I now thought to myself, maybe I should get a website. At the time, I did not have a real website. And so I spent weeks working on my website before I even truly went out and started getting more clients and, and even asking if my current clients would benefit from me having a website. I just thought I need to have a website now. So I spent so much time creating a website, creating two websites because I told you I had two businesses and while one was pretty cool, the fitness portal, which is still available to this, to this day, might I add, and maybe I'll dust that thing off one day. Um, but the other one still didn't necessarily have a strategy on how I wanted to use it. But nonetheless, I spent so much time creating this website and it was so beautiful. It is still beautiful. The thing about it is, this is how I realized there's a difference between activity and revenue generating activity. I was so productive on this website, it was so beautiful, but in between the last client that I worked on and whenever it would take for me to get my next client, I'm devoting so much time on creating this website and nobody's even going to it. And so here, I felt like I was doing something, but was I really? I, I Obviously, you would, I would say I wasn't when I look back at it, but the morning meetup, was definitely the start of me thinking like an entrepreneur. Thinking like an entrepreneur really helped. When I, what I mean by that is structuring what I had found to be my purpose into an idea and into a business, like a revenue generating business that would then be able to sustain my income. From there, I stopped doing Lyft. We read the one thing in uh, maybe like two months in and I dropped the recovery bar and then I got very very clear on how to generate income in my business after being a part of oh and I also have to shout out to the six-figure accelerator um, with, by Donnie Wiggins because even though I had spent so much time building the business this is the time where I say you have to be able to think about how you invest in education up until this point, I had never invested any true like money into my entrepreneurial endeavor. The investment at the time, and I won't say, but it was um, in the four figures, right? I was so afraid to make this investment. I had found the morning meetup. I had focused on my business. I had started to get clear on what I wanted to offer. I had let go of one other distraction, and now I feel like an entrepreneur. The morning meetup also introduced me to the Six Figure Accelerator by Donnie Wiggins, which I'm really, really grateful for because up until this point, I had invested thousands and thousands of dollars in my scholastic um, education, but I had never invested in my entrepreneurial um, education. And so this was my first real education on how to build a business. And while I had already done a lot of things before, 
this was my growth opportunity to stop thinking I already know this and to sit in the passenger seat and allow the driver to take me through the process. I got super clear on how to offer the clearest transformation from point A to point B without going through all of the fluff, without going through the trial and error that I went through with some of my first clients. Even though we got great results, I know that there was so much more that was in there that I just hadn't put in the program yet. It, then it came to put it out back into the market. And when I tell you being able to forecast my activities, know how many strategy calls would lead to num X amount of clients and knowing how much time on the back end I would have in terms of capacity to manage my day to day and really truly focus on clients. That was the best experience ever. So two years into my social work education, I am now running my coaching business and it's going well. Well, here's the thing. I got one more year in my social work degree and I'm already making money. So here I am faced with another crossroads. I can continue to make the money that I'm making and then not finish my degree, or I can continue down the path that I'm supposed to be on and allow the money to come to me. This was another tough decision because even my dad was like, why are you getting your degree again? And I had to think to myself, why am I getting my degree again? At this point, I would chuck it up to I finish what I start because it's not about the money at this point. It's more about the impact. And I had not run the full play before I knew what running the play actually was. So I had to complete complete the mission. Being that I had to slow down in business at a time where things were accelerating took such a turn. I mean, it felt like turning the, the Titanic. My first the, the second to last semester of school was I would say pressure. It was pressure because I'm running a business. I'm in school. And for anyone who's still in their nine to five and they're getting their master's degree, whether it's your MBA, your master's in social work or whatever, you know that it's already stressful when you have a job that whether you can do it with your hands behind your back or not and run a business can be a lot. And so here I am running my education and building a business and these things are creating pressure. But you know what they say, pressure makes diamonds and I am super glad I'm still here today because I am two months away from getting my degree in social work and now I have to think about what does that activity need to look like for me to be able to go out in entrepreneurship again. The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you wanna leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you wanna own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now, let's get back to the episode. Yes, I have still been running my business while I've been in my master's degree, but I have not been running on full capacity. And understanding what your capacity is, is another element that you have to understand before you leave your nine to five. How many clients can you take on right now so that you can reach the goals that you need before you leave your, your job? So if you have a goal to make $10,000 a month in your business before you quit your job, 
How many clients does that take? How much output does that take? How many revenue generating activities do you need to do on a daily basis? And how much capacity do you have for that? Meaning you have 24 hours in a day. How many of those hours are going to your nine to five? And how many of those hours are going to your business? Of course, you got sleep, you got life, all of that stuff, but you need to be very clear on how, what's your capacity in your business and how much money can you generate given that capacity? That's where I am today. Given the capacity that I have in my business right now, what am I doing in my current business that I will duplicate when I now have my 40 hours back on my calendar again? And I'll tell you this, Getting my master's compared to being my nine to five takes a lot more time. So it's not even 40 hours. I'm probably working probably 60 hours a week. And so here's the thing. Once you have your time back on your calendar, how are you going to spend your time? So that's the question that I asked to you. But trust me, as I take you through this process, I'm also going through this process myself. So don't get it twisted. We are on this journey together and the journey is self-discovery. So now that we're here, the rest of the exit strategy, that part is really simple. Now that you understand what got me here, the rest of the story is about how do we get to where we want to go. So the first thing that I needed to do in my business and in my life was set my goals. What are my goals and how will I work to hit them between now and May? Now in May, that's not the finish line. That's just where the story begins because at this point it will be the first time that I get uninterrupted time to work on my business and not worry about having to like keep my energy low, not bring my business too much. I can press the gas as much as I want and then we can see how that goes. But as it as it pertains to building the business back to where it was even at a, at the highest point um, since I've been in entrepreneurship and then exceeding that goal the first part was creating a revenue goal. Now, I'm not gonna share all of my revenue goals or all, even all of the plans. However, I suggest you step right here and say, what does your revenue goal, what does my revenue goal need to be in order to A, quit my job, or B, sustain my lifestyle? If you start with sustaining your lifestyle, then remember that time where I said that there was a lot of time I just spent exploring myself? Then perhaps you want to also bake in a year where you are just exploring yourself. There is nothing wrong with exploring yourself. And let me just say, Ariel said that, you know, your gap year is totally fine. You don't have to worry about the stress of communicating like, oh, I had a gap year or, a bit, or looking bad on your, on your resume. If you need to take a gap year, take a gap year. And I promise you, once you're ready to create a resume that, that really communicates the skill sets and the things that you did, unless you plan on spending all 12 months on the couch, I can't help you. But if you intend to use your 12 months to explore yourself, to get into activities, to explore your passions, to really pressure test your gifts, then I promise you we'll be able to create a resume no problem. So thinking about what your goal is, that's gonna be the first thing. Second, identifying your revenue generating activities. What are the activities that are going to get you there? Creating a website without customers going to the website is not revenue generating activity. Reaching out to a client and asking them if they want a graphic design or if they want you to do a logo for them, that is revenue generating activity. Once you actually, if you even create a mock-up for someone and say, hey, I have some, some ideas that I wanna share with you and you know that's going to convert a client, that's revenue generating activity. 
But creating, you know, projects on the side that's your hobby and hanging it on your wall or posting it on Instagram, those are passive activities. That's not particularly revenue generating activity. Now, someone might come to your Instagram page and they might see the graphics and say, oh, I want you to do business for me or work for me. But that's still passive. Actively reaching out to someone is active. Actively calling someone for support is active. Actively sending someone a mock-up so that they could actually uh, hire you is active. So what are your revenue generating activities? This even goes to you saying, okay, I wanna go out and do five open mic nights a week. If that's gonna be your goal, how many how much do you need to get paid for those five open mic nights a week so that you can actually reach your goal number? So first, identify your goal. Next, identify your revenue generating activity. And then last but not least, I need you to go hard. So figure out what exactly are you gonna be consistent on? How are you gonna hit your goal multiple times? If you haven't already thought about it, then I need you to think about this. Do you wanna hit your goal multiple times a month, a year, in order to feel comfortable leaving your job? Or do you wanna just see that it works one or two times and then test out your theory moving forward? These are all choices that you can make, but I will say it's better if you allow yourself to hit your goal three months in and then make a decision on what you wanna do. Your decision might even be six months. If you have six months of the same income over and over, then chances are once you leave your job the seventh month, you'll be able to be fine. So I need you to think about what are your goals, what's your revenue generating activity, and then how are you gonna be consistent in that? Creating a business, generating revenue, and then exploring your passion is all that this self-discovery has been about. You can discover yourself without money. It just makes it a lot harder. And because I'm speaking for myself, a black woman, 31 years old, who has gone through the process of not making money, making money, finding myself, exploring things, doing things for the free ski, doing things for a nice investment, I would just tell you now, it would make a lot more sense if you figured out how to sustain your lifestyle. I heard someone say, how much does your life cost? If you figure out how much your life costs, then you can figure out the business later. But those are the three things that you need to create your exit strategy. And those are the three things that I'm focusing on in my exit strategy. Hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with. And drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next. Now let's get back to the episode. So I'm two months out. I'll keep you posted along the journey. I'm still on my way to get the master's degree and I will definitely share photos so that you guys can see what it looks like. I'll even share a couple of my classmates if they're willing to come onto the podcast with me. But I just wanted to let you know, everything is gonna be okay. Whether you take the leap or whether you have it all planned out, your steps are ordered whether you know it or not. The more you know your steps are ordered, the less stress you'll experience. But your steps are ordered nonetheless. So if there's one word of wisdom that I want to share with you today is everything will be fine. Make a decision that's best for your lifestyle and take the next step. Until next time, I hope this episode gave you some clarity into how I became a career coach, how I became a social worker, and how I'm creating my exit strategy so that I can be successful out of my institution for the last time and into entrepreneurship so that you can understand how do you plan your journey ahead. 
But until next time, I will see you next week, guys. Peace out.